Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas the podcast. I'm Zoe and I'm Georgia and we're here talking all things parenthood. You know, the real conversations, tips and tricks, products we love and brands we can't live without. Let's get into it. Welcome to Friday's episode of the podcast and this is one that I am particularly excited about. I am flying solo today um, but I don't think it's going to matter because we have known this guest for a really long time. Um, I'm trying to think, we've probably met Emma, um, given her name away already, Um, four years ago maybe I want to say Um, and she has helped both of us personally with our careers and so we thought new year, lots of you guys are setting goals why not get somebody on who can help us with our career goals? So welcome to the podcast, Emma Kangas, who is a leadership career and mindset coach. Emma, do you want to just tell us a little bit about what you do first off? Thank you for having me. I'm super excited about this. Yeah, so I work with both men and women um, working on their careers. Now that could be that they want to sort of maximize confidence It could be that they want to have um, a greater impact on their job. That could be in a corporate. They could be running their own business. They could be um, going through some kind of transition in terms of a job promotion, going to uh, another company. They might want to set up their own business or they might be on some kind of career break, um, such as maternity leave, or they may have had some time off because they've um, been with children and the children have gone to school. So essentially, it's some kind of transition, but they all what they all have in common is that they want to kind of maximize their own potential. Um, often, you know, the confidence elements comes in always. And as well as a big part of that is really using network and relationships and being much better at relationships um, and with, you know, colleagues, etc. at work. But it, I guess it's it's maximising the impact and influence that people can have at work. Okay, amazing. And you've obviously got two children yourself. So you've been through these transitions, yes. um, coming off maternity leave, starting your own business, all of that kind of stuff. Mm. You actually helped me um, when Good. I was working for somebody else in a corporate environment and I wanted to go freelance and my head was in a complete pickle. I was a, com- a complete mess and I never usually like that. And I think we just did a couple of sessions didn't we and like Mm. and I did it (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and it's all going really well. So yeah, sometimes it's the confidence that you need to talk to somebody else and sort of get all your worries off and um, sort of put a plan in place because those sort of practical steps to developing your career and your confidence really actually do go hand in hand um so anyway we've actually had loads of questions um so I think we should probably just get straight in um just a little flag I have got a small child downstairs so if anybody hears Gigi making an entrance (laughs) first question how to survive January there is a huge pressure to set goals and start achieving them I think the thing is is that when people think of a goal they tend to think of a big goal Mm. um and then as soon as you think of a big goal the pressure's on you know, the, you will most likely feel slightly stressed about it and then start thinking, how am I going to achieve this big goal? And it's January. And can I achieve it in the next three months, in the next six months, in the next year? Um, and more often than not, it's because we've labelled it as a big goal. Yeah. So what I would suggest is if, and, you know, there's, I would underline if you actually want to make goals in January, try and break them down don't necessarily go for the big goal. Try and think of the kind of baby steps that you need to take in order to get to that goal. And if you look at it as, you know, the uh, the goal is kind of quite a way down a path and you're just going to walk that path rather than the goal is right in front of you and you need to achieve it now. Mm. So think about those steps. The thing is, if you haven't got a goal, it really doesn't matter. Um, you know, one of the questions that, that that came up before was that, you know, what if I don't have a goal? You know, mm. is, is that is that okay? Because obviously people around you are saying, oh, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Um, you don't have to have a goal. Um, no. I, I would say that most people, um, they may not even know it, but they probably do have some form of goal, even if it is you know, you own, you own, you know, you're running your own business, you need to do your tax return by the end of January. That's still, it's, it's a goal, it's an achievement. And yeah. maybe one way to look at it is, instead of looking at it as a goal, you look at it as what you want to achieve mm. over the next month, over the next six months. Um, the word achieve is a lot lighter and it's a lot brighter than using the word goal. The other thing is, and George and I were sort of talking about this earlier, is that my new year tends to start in September, which is the beginning of, of my children's school term. So I tend to sort of look at my year from September onwards. Now, no, I don't really meet many people doing the same thing. So actually, I don't hear a lot of stuff about it, which is like added pressure to get things done. Um, And, you know, there are other people who look at the new year in January as time to sort of set goals. So it might be that you might just want to change when you set those goals. Yeah, whether that's or not what I was going to say. It could be February. Yeah, you it, could, it could give be yourself any. January to ease in and yeah. then set them in Feb. I actually heard um, on Stephen Bartlett's podcast, Diary of a CEO, he was talking about um, sort of New Year's resolutions and like the science behind it and how I think it's something like 80% of people don't, um, you know, keep them up. And it, mm. but if you've, if you've sort of stuck to it six months in then you're gonna you bet you are basically gonna stick to it and he looked into it and he said you're so like you say it's so much better to just do a few small achievable goals and then revisit them come March you know change the goalposts than it is to do one huge big thing that just feels so out of reach and so you know overwhelming that you're just gonna 
basically just just give up and yeah. just, just not do it. There's another question. This is about career changing. And actually, I think January can be quite a reflective time, can't it? Because lots of us slow down over Christmas and think about our lives and what, you know, what can we do different? So what is the best way to go about a career change? I'm feeling like I need a change in career. How do I decide, you know, what to pivot into? I think if we start with... What is it? I mean, you may have had a previous career. You may have, you know, sort of stopped work for the last three, four years. Um, But try and have a think about what is it about your current career or your previous career that you particularly enjoyed? Normally, the things that we enjoy are the things that we're good at. So I would focus on the next step being your strengths, what your strengths are, what your superpowers are. And sometimes it's quite difficult to answer that question yourself. You sort of feel like a little bit like, oh, I can't say that. You know, I can't say that about me. That's, you know, being a bit boastful. If you feel like that, ask somebody else, um, either a friend, either a a colleague to sort of say to you, actually, from what I see, your strengths are. And really think about what those are. And once you've sort of got your, your list of, you know, what you enjoy, what you find fulfilling about work. Again, if we find our work fulfilling, the happier we're going to be. And ultimately, there's not a lot of point changing career or pivoting unless it's going to be something that you're going to enjoy. Yeah. Um, And normally people that want to pivot, it does mean that either they don't enjoy what they're doing or they might be a bit bored, they may have been doing it for years, and their situation may have changed, um, therefore they want to work different hours. So sort of have a think about what, what would be the ideal? And I often say to my clients, let's start with the perfect scenario because we can always work backwards from the perfect scenario. I had um, uh, a client once, um, a teacher, and she'd taken a career break. Um, She had two children. And she was saying how um, there was no way that the school would uh, enable her to work two days a week. And I said, well, how much truth is there in that? Um, and she said, well, I don't know, but it's just not what I think that they would do. And I said, but is that your perfect scenario? She said, absolutely. If I could work two days a week in the school, school hours, brilliant. I said, well, let's see. Let's see if you, that's a conversation that you can have. Oh, no, I can't possibly have that conversation. So we worked on what that conversation could look like. So anyway, after um, some time together, she then had the conversation and she now works two days a week in that school. So it, it, it is, you know, I think some people say, well, there's no point in me starting off with the perfect because the perfect can never happen. Mm. But if you start with that, you can really understand what, what your vision is, um, where your strengths come in and the value that you can add and the value that you want to get out of it. So it's sort of, if you think of a bit of a spider diagram or a bit of a mind map, you know, if you start with ultimately what, what is it that you want to do and then work from that yeah. and then your strengths, your superpowers, your goals, your vision, your purpose, it all links in to then trying to figure out the much bigger picture, which is what sort of career you would want to do or what role would you want to do. You might see somebody and you think, oh, I'd love to do that. We'll think, about, well, well, why not? Why, yeah. why wouldn't you be able to do that? at least start with that and then look at what's realistic financially and what you're what you're capable of yeah I think as well it can be so hard to see your transferable skills so like my husband as you know used to play football and he now has a job in finance which are like miles apart and um 
he he still even now actually can't see what he 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 does like what his skills are and how what what you know the skills that came over from that one job into a different job you know like all the team team playing and man management and all of those all of those working under pressure all of those things and actually I think sometimes people are so much more open to fresh eyes in a business now than they you know you don't have to have done the typical route to to, to have a new career because people want a different perspective um yeah. you know you might add a different perspective or someone who hasn't been bogged down mm. you know for years and years and years and you're coming in fresh but also with life experience I think there is you know it, it seems so daunting to change career but mm. actually when you look at the job that you would be doing day to day how much of it could you probably just do already loads yeah, of it absolutely and I think the one thing that a lot of people forget is sidestepping. So when they think about a career change, they either think about leaving and working mm-hmm. in a different company um, or a different industry, or they might be thinking, actually, I want to kind of aim for that promotion, aim for that step up. But people forget about sidestepping. So it's much more common now. I mean, I remember when I was working within corporates the idea of moving department wasn't really a thing and we are talking a long time ago um but now businesses are really open to looking at somebody's skill set and moving them within the business so you might be in marketing one day but actually you're interested in HR Mm. and I think it's it's really looking as you say what are those transferable skills and what other areas am I interested in because you know there is no reason why you can't then try and look, at least look and make inquiries into that particular department or that particular business that you want to work in. Mm-hmm. Um, so sidestepping can be a really valuable valuable thing to do. And some people even, it's beneficial for them to take, um, I'll say a step down, but you know it often doesn't have to be that way. Um, in order to then go on to something yeah. that they really want to do. So there's yeah. a bit of strategy that's worth considering. Um, I always say to people, think, get quite specific um, once you've done sort of this sort of bit of a brainstorm mind map. Look at something that's, that's, that you can, um, is attainable when you look at your situation mm. um, and then relevant for what you want to be doing. Um, and then you can start looking at the time factor of when you start talking to people and when could you start your pivot just yeah. so that it, it, it does become a bit more you know strategizing rather than just putting it out there and seeing what happens yeah absolutely well this is a niche one actually how do I start journaling also can you just let us know what journaling is because I don't really know what that, what that is so um I often describe jur- journaling as a brainstorm um it's kind of you know I I often say to my clients you know I'm your thinking partner and so let journaling as well be your thinking partner. Um, because if you literally just find find a, a nice sort of notebook, you know, most people do quite like a nice, nice looking notebook. Find Papier. one that Love you the will... Love Papier notebook. Exactly, exactly. And actually with the Papier ones, you can personalise um, the titles. So you can, you can have something on there that really lights you up and, you know, makes you smile. Um, and the idea is, is literally just to initially write whatever comes to mind. And that blows people's mind away sometimes because they're, they're like, yeah, but I could be writing anything. And that is the point. If you want some kind of structure, um, I've been journaling, journaling now for about three years. And I always start every evening before going to bed 
um, three things that I'm grateful for. The reason why I do that is because it really makes me smile. And actually, it makes me think of all the really great things that have happened that day. Sometimes that list is, you know, way longer than three things, but it's something to start off with. And then I tend to just write the word that enters my head. And it might be a way that I'm feeling. So I might write the word excited. And then I elaborate on that because then I start to think, what am I excited about? And then I start writing what I'm excited about. Or it might be that you're thinking about something you need to do at work tomorrow. Write it down. It doesn't mean that your journaling is going to be all about that one thing. But what might come out of it is how you're feeling about that one thing. It just means it's a brain dump. It just gets everything that's in here onto paper. And the more you get used to doing it, you might get a bit uncomfortable. You might sort of look at the page and laugh because it doesn't make sense. That's fine. Because the more you get used to it, the more it then starts to make sense. Beauty of journaling is if I go back, say, three years, and I look at what was I journaling, you know, on the the 5th of January, um, it's so interesting to see, you know, was there anything I was worried about that I probably didn't need to be worried about? Mm -hmm. Was there a work project that I really wanted to kind of kick off? And then I can look at it and go, that happened. You know, so it, it's a really nice thing to go back to, but the, essentially it is a brain dump and it just gets ideas and thoughts out there to clear the mind, which is always a great thing. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, maybe I'll start doing that then. I think this is one that so many of us can relate to. How can you juggle working kids? Um, I think a lot of us feel guilty, you know, if if we're leaving for work or guilty when we're not around for the kids, not there for pickups. How, like, how do you go about juggling it all? First of all, the guilt is incredibly common. I would get curious about that guilt. Why why is it that you feel guilty? And should you be feeling guilty? Can you find truth in that in, in what you're feeling guilty about? Um, and actually, what you're feeling guilty about, what effect does that have in terms of, you know, you might be thinking, oh, um, you know, for example, um, my daughter said to me the other day, could she have a play date with a friend? And I and I was thinking, oh, but, you know, I would have I would have worked quite a bit that week. And, um, you know, it'd be nice to, to see you after school. And, you know, my sort of guilt starts kicking in. But then I think, well, however much my daughter loves me, <laughs> I think she'd rather have a play date with one of her mates. And so what and, it, and it's something that I, I um, read and heard recently was that we have to start thinking about what is our need and what's our children's need. And sometimes our needs come from the guilt and what, 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 what we ultimately need. We need to be, you know, I, I need to be with my daughter because it makes me feel better and less guilty. But actually, what's her need? Her need is actually to have a really fab time with her friends playing, you know, teachers and the things that they play. So, Really think about, actually, do I need to feel guilty about this? Do I need to feel guilty about the fact that I'm working? Um, You know, because actually what is best for for my children and what it is they want to do. And you'll find that there'll be certain situations where you just don't, you don't no longer feel guilty about because they're, they're ultimately having a good time. The other thing which always comes up when I'm coaching those that have that kind of guilt um, and especially those that, you know, they're, they're very much interested in their, their work, you know, their, their career, but also they love being a parent. Um, 
is that um, the need to switch identity. Um, what I would say is that, you know, we are, there's a lot of conditioning at the moment about being one person, being authentic. So always bringing that one person into, into the workplace. I actually have quite a different take on this. I think it's absolutely fine to have a work identity and yeah. a home identity. Um, you're still the same person. You know, you've just acquired a different style or you might speak differently or you might act differently, but that's absolutely fine. You're still being you. And what I find is those that accept that they have different identities, um, when they go into work identity, because they're not carrying across so much of the mum identity, they don't feel as guilty um, because they're very much in the, in the mode that they need to be in um, for work. That's not a selfish act either. It's just a case of thinking, right, I need to be in this work mode. What do I need to be thinking? And if there is that element around guilt, okay, how can I change my mindset while I'm in my work mode to feel less guilty? And so yeah. there's a you know much bigger piece around that, but it's just really looking at you know the truth that's in the the truth that's in the guilt, and in order to juggle being a mum and work, sometimes it is necessary to have different identities yeah. purely just to to manage that juggle, and that's absolutely fine. You can find your own way. You don't need to be this one person if that yeah. makes sense yeah no no no. That, I think that's quite useful as well to put different hats on mm. oh how do you redevelop confidence in the workplace after having a career break with kids I, I'm sure you probably see this a lot mm. when people have been off for long periods of time maybe yeah. not just maternity leave um longer than that and then they try to get back into the workplace yeah. it's revisiting your strengths again just really thinking about okay where did my confidence lie before? What was I doing? What experiences did I have that made me feel confident? If you're, if you're re-entering the workplace, have a think about what did I do that, that, that gave me confidence that I enjoyed that I would then want to do again? Because if you start with those things, your confidence will be built up again because it's something familiar and it's something that you know that you're good at. So, have a think about those experiences. Have a think about what your strengths are, what, you, what your USP is, so your unique selling point. Um, because what, when after, you know, some people say to me, I don't think I have one. I don't think I have a USP. But most people do. It's just a yeah. case of really thinking about it and, um, and, and having that confidence to say, yeah, actually, I'm, I'm a really good people person. You know, I love being with people. I'm really good at brand marketing because I can mm. really understand a product and, you know, get my teeth into it and explain it. I'm really good at storytelling. So, you know, think about the things that you know that you're really, really good at. That automatically lifts our confidence anyway. The other thing is if you are um, re-entering, say, uh, the same company again, because you've had a year off mat leave, um, companies can change. So definitely think about um, the kit days, use the kit days. A lot of people don't. And I never quite understand why, because, you know, A, you're paid for them. And B, mm. um, they're so useful if, if you really use them properly. And then look at it as um, if you're kind of re-entering, look at it as onboarding again. Now, for those that may not know the term onboarding, 
it's really a term that's part of transitioning back into um, a business or um, back into your to your career. So when we think about onboarding, we think about, okay, well, what does the culture look like? Um, what do I need to know about the business, um, about the people? Who, who would my stakeholders be? Who would be part of my support group? So it's really looking at it with fresh eyes that if you're going, you know, even if you are going back into somewhere you're familiar with, that business could have changed in that time, that industry could have changed. So lean upon people that you know can help you with, um, you know, with the knowledge and experience to inform you of what it is you need to know. The other thing I would always, always suggest and it would fall under so many of the questions that you've been given, I'm sure, is that finding a mentor. Yeah. Without a doubt. We'll be right back after this short break. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Now, where were we? I was also going to say, you know, like if you've had, say, I don't know, 10 years off work um, with your children and then you're going back into the workplace, how do you sort of, I don't know, like explain that mm. long gap? Are you just honest and you just say, oh, you know, I, I took time off to be at home with my children and then I guess come back to it with like, but in that time, I, I, I'm incredible at time management. <laughs> I'm basically running, you know, like, like four different people's lives or whoever it is. How do you sort of suggest people go about that? I think two things. Number one, own the situation. Own the last 10 years because mm. you would have done some incredible things in the last 10 years. The moment people own something, um, it's less questionable. Mm. Um, if they are confident with how they're explaining, um, yes, in the last 10 years, I've had two children um, this is what I've been doing. Um, and, and really, you know, say it with, you know, confidence um, and, and really step into that person that you are. Um, then whoever is, you know, interviewing you, for example, will have a lot more belief in you because of your the fact that you're owning it. I think the other thing is, is that nowadays it's so accepting yeah. that people are taking breaks you know there are people that are requesting sabbaticals mm. that are you know are being given those sabbaticals so you know sabbatical isn't necessarily 10 years but I think that it's more acceptable um, for you to be able to say I've had that career break what I would say is in order to gain that confidence to own the fact that you've been off for 10 years is really looking at the value that you still believe that you can bring a business 
and the added value. So not just the value that you you were bringing 10 years ago to a business, but the value that you can now bring. Because, you know, being a mom is is very hard work. Yeah. We, you know, I think most of us agree that it's it's sometimes easier to go to work than be mum. So it is really hard work. Um, So it's just reminding, you know, the person you're speaking to of the value that you can now bring and the qualities that you've gained by, you know, by having that career break. Yeah, exactly. Can you manifest your career? (laughs) This word manifest is, you know, thrown around a lot. Yeah. You know, in the last couple of years, hasn't it? What are your thoughts? I am very open to all different versions of manifestation and I appreciate that there are so many um, different ways of looking at it you might look at it from a spiritual side so there's a lot of um, you know visualizing going on and you might visualize through meditation Um, you might um, yeah just lean upon the more spiritual side of manifestation whether or not you do or you don't um, one thing that I would say that I think is very powerful and actually Dr. Tara Swart, who is a neuroscientist, fantastic, fantastic lady, she mentions this as well. And as soon as I sort of read this, I just thought, Ab- absolutely, because if you, the whole, the whole premise is, is that with manifestation, um, the idea is, is to get quite specific in what you're trying to manifest. So what is it that you want? Okay. Now, part of that process, for example, say you wanted a new job, part of that manifestation, part of that process is thinking, right, what is it that I want to be doing? Why do I want it? And those that believe in the more spiritual side of manifestation, a lot of it will be about feeling it, you know, really kind of what what would I be feeling if I was doing that that role? Um, If we remove that element and you're just purely looking at, okay, well, how can I make this happen? By getting quite specific with what you want and quite clear about what you want will make it a lot easier for you to be telling people Mm. what it is you want to do. Mm. The more people that know what you want to do, the more um, open you are about what you want to do, not only will those those opportunities are more likely to come to you because people know that's what you're looking for, but also you see them more. Yeah. Because you've got very specific, and it could be word, you know, certain words that you've used that come up in a job description, for example. So you might be on LinkedIn, and jobs might come up, and you've decided that you want to be, you know, be working in a certain area, and that area pops up, you know, a depart- departmental area, for example, rather than location. Um, you're going to see that more because you've already thought about it. So it's just, for me, it's, it's a lot about awareness, raising awareness. You know, if I see somebody put up something on social media, I'm now available for work in, you know, the music industry. Well, part of my background is the music industry. So I will then be thinking, ah, oh, they're looking for a certain job in the music industry. I've, I know somebody who knows somebody that might be able to help them mm. because they put it out there. Yeah. So whether or not you're putting it out there from a spiritual side and, you know, giving it to the universe to deliver to you, or whether or not you're putting it out there to your friends, your network, your family, those people, your connections, it's going to come back to you in a similar way. Yeah. It's just raising awareness. Yeah. That's so, so, that's so true. You're almost like creating the opportunities without realising it. Yeah. Just by being honest. Yeah. With what you want. Exactly. There's another question. It's quite, this is... um. 
there's, there's been a, quite a few um, questions around this topic. So I'm new into a large, well-known corporate. How do I stop imposter syndrome creeping in mm. and feel confident, challenging, um, strong characters where appropriate? There's lots like, yeah, basically how to overcome imposter syndrome, all of those sorts of things. Yeah. If we start with imposter syndrome and then think about, you know, how then to kind of be able to speak, you know, challenge those characters. With imposter syndrome, I take a slightly different view on imposter. I find that it works with my clients, so I I stick to it. Um, Sometimes we're told that with our imposter, we need to kind of kick it under the carpet, tell it where to go, and that, you know, it doesn't serve us. We don't need it. It's just negative chatter. Uh, I find, actually, if you do the exact opposite and you befriend your imposter and actually have a think about, okay, what, what's that negative chatter telling me? And is there any truth in it? Can I actually support it with any experiences, knowledge, facts um, as to mm. is there actual truth in what this kind of negative chatter is telling me? Um, you might find absolutely no, there's none. And that might be enough for you to be able to say, actually, that point doesn't serve me, but I've looked into it. I don't need to think about it anymore. If there's truth in it, then you can start thinking about, okay, well, where am I getting that truth from? Okay, how is this helping me? So the reason why I say befriend your imposter is because actually your imposter can help you. Because it might be that it's telling you um, that actually, you know, you can't possibly have a conversation with those challenging, you know, personalities at work. You're not strong enough to do that. Okay, well, help me then. What do I need? What helpful information can my imposter be telling me in order to go and face those people or in order to, you know, start a different job? It might be that that imposter is telling you, actually, you need to study a bit more um, or you need to work on X, Y and Z. But look at it as look at the negative chatter as helpful information. Take the helpful information that is is helpful. Yeah. And then put anything else away. Anything that you think, actually, I can't get anything from that. I'm just going to move that to one side. That's fine. But at least look at how helpful that information is and then take it and look, okay, what can I do with it? How can I move from a sort of a fixed mindset into a much more of a growth mindset? So definitely worth befriending that imposter. In terms of, you know, speaking to kind of challenging people at work, I would recommend that you step into their shoes Mm. and really understand how they need to receive information from you. So say you're challenging them. How do you think you should challenge them? So if you can, and it's not um, urgent, look at how they respond to others. Um, Look at how other people give them feedback and how well they react to it. So, for example, if you're challenging somebody, some people can come across as quite defensive and that can trigger somebody. That's not going to go anywhere. You know, that's not going to be a great conversation. But if you really understand how the other person ticks, you could challenge them in a way where they're receiving it to be, oh, this is interesting. I like this. This is a good brainstorm here. I'm getting information from this person. They're not necessarily agreeing with me. But this, this is what I need. But it's understanding what makes that person tick. Now, if you're yeah. in a new company, then that does take time. But it's time worth, you know, using, learning about those people 
so that when you do start challenging them and you've got the confidence to speak up, you're challenging them in a way that they're going to receive it really well and not be triggered and then get angry with you, for example. Yeah. Also, just back on the imposter syndrome thing, I think sometimes as well, like if you're starting in a new company or you're starting a new job or whatever it is, if you just if you're just open with how you're feeling like it it can be it's so good like you know for instance when we did the live podcast I was really nervous I've never done anything like that before so I just said it Mm. I just said oh no do you know what I'm really nervous and then people sort of not end up reassuring you but then it almost goes away because you know everyone knows how you're feeling so then like you're less worried about it yeah oh this is my first time here or oh this you know I've never done this before but I've done this this and this so I think it's going to be okay yeah when you're faced with a new situation I think you're right I think you know being honest everybody appreciates honesty because at some point they would have been in that exact same position so they will feel for you yeah um I think the other thing is is just letting people know that you're you know, say some people don't want to speak up and ask a question because they think they should know the answer. Um, and again, when you start somewhere new, how do you know the answer? Yeah. You know, so sometimes it's just about saying, you know, um, if somebody asks you something and you don't know the answer, it's it's absolutely fine to say, okay, I I don't I don't know the answer to that, but let me go away and find that out and then get back to you. Because yeah. that's what the person just wants you to get back to them. They just want the answer. But yeah. it's it's being honest that I don't know the answer. And again, owning that I don't know the answer, but I will yeah. go away and, you know, get, get back to you with what, with what that is. Oh, how to confidently ask for a pay rise. Mm. I've just found out I'm doing the same work for less. Okay, so there are some businesses that are very transparent with their pay. If you work somewhere that is... And that it's okay for you to know that your colleague is earning more than you and yet you're doing the same thing, then it would be perfectly acceptable to be able to sit down and say, you know, I've just found out recently that so-and-so is on X amount and yet mm. we're, I believe, we are doing the same same work. I just want to understand um, why this is the case. Again, you're not being defensive you're in, you're being um, you're making an inquiry you're being curious um but you're allowing the business to explain um there may be a reason behind that that they have that they think this is the reason why but at least you're giving them the chance to explain rather than say if you were to go into the meeting and say hang on a minute, you know, this seems a bit unfair because, it, again, it starts the meeting off in the wrong way. You are going to trigger that person because they automatically feel that they have to fend themselves. So if you if you then, you know, if you are able to do that, then, and the, it is very transparent, then that's a, absolutely acceptable, acceptable way to do it. If it's not transparent and you're not meant to know, then the conversation needs to be slightly different. Um, in a way that I would focus on the value that you bring. And also, if you're proposing something, don't necessarily go with, this is what I want, full stop. It needs to be backed up with, because I add value by, 
idea mm. you know it, it's, it's almost like you know when people go into a meeting with an issue but they don't come up with a solution yeah so think of it in that you know in that way you've got this issue that is bugging you you know okay what's the solution well the solution in your mind is give me a pay rise but that's not going to be enough for the person that you want to give you that pay rise so it, it, it's not necessarily any more about the other person it's actually about okay well if I'm asking for this I need to be able to say this is why and this is the value and if you focus on the value that you bring and the experience and the knowledge you're more likely to get a pay rise. Love it. Um, I'm starting a new job after mat leave. How can I set myself up for success? It's absolute onboarding. It's yeah. it's looking at, you know, all the areas, what do you need to know about the business? And one thing I would say, actually, is that try uh, inquire within the business if there um, is, um, and this is something if, if you feel comfortable doing this, but I find that clients who then get to know somebody um, who has also been on mat leave. Um, just either some businesses have that set up. They do have set up like a, a mentoring scheme where somebody's, you know, coming back. But they do tend to tend to be the businesses that have a very large maternity return sort of program. Yeah. Um, but if there isn't one, definitely once you have started, try and, you know, sort of meet with somebody who's in a really similar position to you and find out how the company has managed that return and anything that they would advise you to do not to do yeah but I think ultimately it's really a case of thinking at it okay you've had you've had the mat leave but how would you normally if you hadn't had the mat leave how would you be going into that new job so think about the people the culture the, your your key stakeholders. So who are, who are the people that you're going to be reporting into, working with? And all of this, well, I think what often happens is we start a new job. We want to hit the ground running. We feel like we need to start doing lots yeah, and lots of things. Yeah, proving ourselves straight away. Yeah. yeah, and showing that you can do. The best the best advice I would give is that don't, don't hit the ground running. Take some time to actually look at the business, look at the people, assess your role, um, get and take that time, ask as many questions as you need to answer, meet with as many people as you need to meet, um, and then start the doing. Because yeah. it's all of that, you know, it's often the first 90 days, you know, there's a lot of talk about the first 90 days. Um, so, you know, how do you spend that time? There's a, a really great book, um, I think it's by Michael Watkins, The First 90 Days. Um, and that's super helpful with, with those kind of first, you know, first few days because we're talking about, you know, returning from mat leave, there is that element of how we're feeling by having that mat leave. And as you said earlier, sometimes our confidence drops, um, we feel a bit strange going back into the workplace. So again, just sort of sit and remind yourself, um, that you did do it before, yeah. Um, and the, what, what did you do before? And how did you feel? And what was your routine? What was your structure? And sort of feel yourself into it again. Um, spend quite a bit of time thinking about it. And also little things like, are there, is there anything that you did before that would get you into your, you know, your work identity? So is it that, you know, a certain point, you'd make a cup of tea, um, you'd, okay, say if you are going into the office, it might be that you've got a certain style that you wear when you're going into the office compared to obviously when you're in mat leave. So there might just be, just be little things 
but get you into that work mode. Try and yeah. familiarize yourself with what they were. Um, so as you're going back, you're already slipping into what feels normal for you yeah totally. also I think as well and I this is advice I always give to friends if you can start the childcare a few weeks before you start your job like I think that it is invaluable because obviously you get a little bit of a break anyway for you before but also you get over all of those hurdles mm-hmm. those like the first drop the drop the first drop they might cry you might cry mm. or it it might not go to plan or any of the all of those little things that can come up and send you into a bad mood or you know put you on the back burner before you've even started your day they're all ironed out yeah um absolutely and feel, yeah I think that's um yeah I, I, I would personally that's what I always tell my mates to do yeah I always remember actually dropping my daughter off um I just had it in my head that she'd be absolutely fine mm. and oh it was it was just awful. She cried for goodness knows how many sessions. And I remember one of the mornings I sat, they had this parents room where you could sit and watch a TV screen. So you could see if they've stopped crying and if they're okay. I sat there for goodness knows how long. I think the lady came and asked me to leave in the end because I sat there for so long. I could never have done that, which probably may have been a good thing if I'd had to get a train into work. But as you say, it's just, it's not just about the child getting used to it. It's about you getting used to it. Yeah, Um, absolutely. That's, that's great advice. Exactly. And also even just things like you're not realizing that there's traffic near the nursery. And then you're suddenly like, oh gosh, I didn't realize this was going to take me an extra 10 minutes. Or if you've got to park at the state, you know, just all of those little things, they're just done. And then they're not, they're not going to be an issue. And you can just focus on what you've got to do. Yeah, I I think the other thing about um, just being on the mat leave um, before returning to work, um, which is really important to note is that don't necessarily have too many expectations of what might be because I work with some women that have just gone on mat leave or they're preparing to go on mat leave. Um, And they might say, oh yeah, I think, well, I I I think I'm going to have six months off. And Mm. they're they're quite definite about that. And then I work with them again, you know, baby's sort of five months old and they think actually, no, I'm not going to take six months. I'm going to take eight months or, you know, we just don't know how we're going to feel. You know, I was a lot more relaxed with my son, but then he was my second child and I'd done it once before. Um, I knew kind of what was to come. Um, so it's just it's managing those expectations really definitely do you know what Emma I think we'll finish up there because I think we've covered so much Um, thank you and where can we find you for anyone who might want to get some more advice or book in a session with you great you can find me on LinkedIn just Emma Kangas or my website is ek as in Emma Kangas ekcoaching.co.uk um, or on um, Instagram as well just just drop me a note um, and yeah we can um, we can have a have a Great. chat but this is I, this has been an absolute joy thank you so much <laughs> thank you thanks thank you Made by Mummers is an insanity podcast production and today's episode was produced by the lovely Charlotte Mason Insanity Group Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.